0: Hey guys, welcome to episode 3 of This is the Pits with Chelsea and Michael. I'm Chelsea Greenwood.
1: And I'm Michael Oberst, and we're talking about a double feature, back-to-back, Johnny Suede and across the tracks.
0: Uh, I hope you guys tuned in. We have a lot to say.
1: Yeah, um, well, they did tune in because they're listening to this now, so... Oh, you mean to the movies. You hope they watch the movies.
0: I hope you guys watch the movies, and I hope you enjoy listening to this podcast.
1: Yeah, I think it's a good one because um, we have... We were able to talk to the director of Across the Tracks, which is kind of cool, Sandy Tung. Um, We called him and asked him some questions personally about it. And he was kind enough to talk about his experience. So that was cool. This Um, is the first
0: time I wasn't attracted to Brad Pitt, too, in all the movies we've watched.
1: Yep. Well, he was – we'll we'll get into why. but um, Yeah, enjoy. I think it's going to be great. Enjoy the episode.
0: Peace out. Yeah, let's get into the movie. Johnny Swade. How did you feel about it, Michael?
1: Um, Okay. Here's the thing about Johnny Suede. (laughs) It is a series of (laughs) just, it's like, I don't know. I just really don't know what to say about this movie. (laughs) I'll tell you something. Where do you start?
0: I don't know if I was in a really bad mood when I watched this movie. I don't know if I've seen too many Brad Pitt movies now, but I could not stand it. In a way that I oh. haven't been able to to not stand a movie in a really long time. Okay. And I tell you why... Wait, let me explain why I think yeah. okay. I couldn't...
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: I couldn't stand it because I wasn't sure if it was supposed to be satire or if I was supposed to be taking it seriously. And even okay. if it was satire, it wasn't doing a good job of being satirical. It was just sort of like weird. Yeah. And I'm usually a huge oh. fan of weird. I hate to say weird in a negative way, but like, yeah, weird, not a fan. like
1: off balance. No, I know what you mean. Like, it, um, I mean, I read some interviews with the director, and he said that the reason, part of the reason he cast Brad Pitt was because Brad Pitt was the only actor who understood that Johnny Swade is not supposed to be taken 100% seriously. Um,
0: right, but then I also read that the, the, the direct that the, the director <laughs> I also read that the director was disappointed eventually in Brad's performance because he couldn't tell the audience couldn't tell if he was supposed to be like stupid or couldn't care or like didn't care. He was like laissez faire or dumb. I couldn't tell. Ultimately, I think he was dumb.
1: <laughs> <laughs> he ultimately he was turned out to be kind of a fuck boy. Um, I don't know. I. I liked um well I liked that Johnny Sway did seem like he was trying like he he was like that person who I feel like everybody has met at some point where you you see them and they look the part of something and they have the right mannerisms and stuff but like you quickly find out like he doesn't actually know where to find the clip and right. he is actually not good at music and he um lives in a piece of shit apartment and he's not all that like he talks big game and he looks the part but he's not and he's kind of a faker and you know it's and that i think that really is um what like a part that i think was interesting was when he met that guy freak storm oh, you know God. we see him at the very beginning nick and cave nick cave i know you see Nick Cave at the beginning as Freakstorm and you like uh oh that guy Johnny Swade like he hangs out with guys like that and then you find out Johnny Swade is actually kind of a phony idiot and but then so later is you Freak Freak Storm. Freak Storm. Well but yeah but then when you first meet Freakstorm you're like oh like Johnny Swade sees him like we first thought Johnny Suede was like Johnny Swade sees him and goes oh this guy's the real deal he has a band and right. he is and then later you meet John, you meet Freakstorm again and you see him like kind of all fucked up and you're like Oh, wait, I think Freak is also like Johnny Swade. Like, he's a faker, too. Yeah, you know what I mean?
0: it's this weird time in Brooklyn um, where, like, there's, like, a, this post-punk movement coming on. Um, yeah, I just couldn't tell if, like, it was supposed to be surreal.
1: Yeah, for sure. Or, it felt surreal.
0: I mean, it definitely did. I mean, sh- the whole movie... So I guess, okay, quick synopsis. Johnny Swade feeling bad about his shoes he like goes to a club you you
1: skipped a very important part yeah oh no no go ahead go ahead
0: yeah yeah he goes to the so the first scene you like see him and his huge pompadour which is like uh when i told people i was watching this movie they were like oh yeah like the movie with brad pitt with the pompadour was like on hbo when i was a kid i've seen it and i was like really i would never have any occasion to see this movie anyway (laughs) um so He's, like, on the subway in New York. He, like, looks down at his, like, gross leather shoes, his pompadour, his shirt. He goes to the club. He sees that guy, Nick Cave, and he, like, sees the most beautiful girl. And it's, like, this great club montage. And he's like, oh, I wish I could be better. Then he walks past a woman being raped?
1: Okay, yeah, this was uh, the part that I was like. drugs? No, she was getting raped.
0: And some guy says, like, hey, buddy, come in. And, like, she likes it. She likes it. And then he didn't. Ugh. Then he thought about maybe doing it. <laughs> but then didn't and walked right past. And then... Oh, no, he went to the phone booth to call the police. Yeah, he went to the phone,
1: the phone booth to call the police. And he said, hey, there's something funny going on. And then the shoes fall <laughs> out of the sky and land on the phone booth and destroy the phone booth. And he's like. He, okay, this is the part where the movie sort of – I was like, okay, what the fuck is going to happen? <laughs> yes. Because these shoes fall out of the sky, land on the phone booth, destroy it completely. He gets the shoes and <laughs> he forgets about the rape. And he's like, wait a minute. Look at these shoes though. These things are popping. And he just takes the shoes. And then like, wait, like why did there have to – I just don't get why there had to be a rape.
0: <laughs> you know? Right?
1: I feel like, like so far – I need mean- a no reason for him to-
0: Maybe that was just an that's early true. 90s thing. Maybe that was a part of the conversation that was going around in the 90s because I feel like that's I feel like we've said that before. Like why does there have to be blah in this movie? I want to know what the director was thinking of, with that. Maybe to try to illustrate the kind of neighborhood he was in, the kind of people that he was hanging with, also to say that like he wasn't man enough to stop the rape
1: himself, maybe? Yes, that's the that's one interesting thing is that he's not man enough to stop the rape. He's also like he was kind of like, he seemed like he was kind of scared.
0: Yeah. And then he like hesitated, couldn't tell. I think that the personality who Johnny suede thinks he is would be the kind of guy to stop something like that. But the kind of Mm -hmm. guy that Johnny suede actually is wouldn't.
1: Also, what was his name before he got the suede shoes? I
0: don't remember.
1: Johnny leather. (laughs) It
0: was like Johnny Rigowski or something. Smith. Yeah.
1: (laughs) Jonathan Smith. Um,
0: but yeah, okay, so the shoes drop down from out of nowhere, and then I'm like, okay, this is a surrealist movie. I can get down with this, because it makes no sense. He takes yeah. the shoes home. He becomes Johnny Suede. He, like, is obsessed with these shoes in a way that is creepy. He, like, brushes it with a toothbrush.
1: Toothbrush. It's really weird. It's, like, kind of like, like, um, it's a little bit like David Fincher. Like, yeah, really just weird, like. <laughs> I don't know strange
0: yeah there is a very David Fincher vibe to this movie and there's also I think um, a very um, what's his name David Lynch there's a couple of like pretty Lynchian moments
1: oh so David Lynch yeah, yeah. like blue velvet yeah, like, maybe, yeah for sure. maybe
0: this is like blue suede kind of maybe yeah, um, that comes later. But yeah, so then I was like, okay, so if this is going to get weird like that, I'm totally down. But then, again, yeah. it didn't quite hit the mark for me.
1: No, it it did not. Okay, I I want to also point out, like, this movie made me realize that watching all of Brad Pitt's movies is losing its charm
0: <laughs> i feel the exact same way and i have to say this is the most interesting takeaway for me is that i didn't find him to be attractive at all zero percent except for when he was walking around really? naked with his hand in his pants when he is johnny suede oh yeah clothed oh my god especially when he's in bed with katherine keener who by the way i fucking love she's the best
1: i love katherine keener and i love that samuel l jackson had a little part I in this know. too I
0: wrote that so random next. yeah
1: um,
0: um yeah no i didn't find him i was not like Mm -mm, That hair didn't do it for me His acting didn't do it for me I was just like (laughs) I'm annoyed And I
1: hope I disagree with you actually Because I thought It was a pretty good acting performance I thought he was Really playing the part of I mean he wasn't like hot hot But he was like Kind of playing the part of Like the cute young adolescent Like 19, 20 year old Who was trying to find his way In a world where nobody understood him And he was like stuck in the Like you know 50s or whatever (laughs) when the rest of the world was actually... Sure, I think
0: he... I didn't mean to say his acting wasn't good. I think that that character... Like, he played a character that I didn't like successfully. I really didn't like Johnny Suede as a person. I think maybe because I've known a lot of Johnny Suedes growing up in L.A., people who are, like, fakers, you know, but are good-looking. Um. Yeah, but I'm like, why does Katherine Keener like him so much? She fucking loves him.
1: She said she loves him a little. Yeah, quick, and I honestly. think it's because
0: he is really successful at being a pretend a pretend person.
1: Yeah, um, yeah. She, um, she is so much better than him. Shockingly so. <laughs> like as a person. Shockingly
0: so. In fact, she's the opposite of him. She like gives to mentally handicapped people she like is a genuine human who is um probably blinded by the way he looks i mean what else does he have to offer her he can't even fucking make her come
1: no he can't he i mean she's i don't know what she like maybe she's like kind of a cougar you know maybe because she's not cougar because she's she had to be at least like 30 in that movie she was definitely older than him. I don't know if they were trying to play her like she's like supposed to be his age, but she looked a little older than him. And I think that that might have been part of it.
0: I was thinking that maybe he's kind of mentally challenged because he's so out of it that maybe she's like into him. Maybe that's like that's why she has her job. Maybe like, like if we really think about thing. it. Yeah. Maybe she's just like, I am a caretaker. That's what I do.
1: Maybe she gets and off. Maybe she's a little. She's bit a little... On...
0: Exactly. And she's like, I he's like so dumb, I get to take care of him. But he's really attractive.
1: Well, if that's the case, then she shouldn't get so mad at him and throw shit at him if he's going to do things that are really dumb, like cheat on her.
0: Disagree. Hard disagree.
1: Really? You think that... Not to say that people who are slower have no morals, but um, no, I just think I that... Don't-
0: I don't think this is something she see. I don't think she's like, oh, he's dumb. I'm gonna take him in. I think she genuinely loves him. I think she just has like a, it's like a Freudian thing. It's like not you something what, that she's though? cognizant of. No, you, know what, you do not forgive someone for randomly fucking someone on a train.
1: No, she shouldn't forgive him, him but she continue. shouldn't get so mad at him.
0: She's heartbroken, Michael. You callous bastard.
1: <laughs> no, she is heartbroken, but it's like, well, if he's really, if you really genuinely think that he is like mentally slower, like has a a predisposition to not be able to comprehend.
0: <laughs> I don't think she does. I think she's blinded by his act. I think she believes his act.
1: If that's the I'm case, like, us then, yeah. the viewers. if that's the case, then, then yeah, she has every right to be mad. But, but I'm, I'm saying if, if the, if it's that she thinks that he is a little bit slow and she is sort of embracing the caretaker role, then she, it's not fair for her to get that mad. Because it's like, well, you know, you wanted to be his caretaker. And sometimes people who are slow make mistakes. I don't know. Maybe that's Uh, the most insensitive thing I've ever said.
0: (laughs) No, I don't think that she thinks he's slow. Okay. I I think she's put blinders on because she wants love so badly. And I have to say, as an early 30s woman, I know so many girls who are just like, he's good looking, he likes me, I'll fucking take it. Like, I'm just going to date for the date, say, sake of dating, even though he's such a clear fuck boy. You know, I'd like to hear the conversation yeah. she has with her girlfriends. You know, like, he couldn't find my clit. It's like, hello, red fucking flag.
1: Yeah, true. You know? True. Yeah, that's probably that's probably more so it.
0: Um, so I thought that was interesting. But then there's also the whole um, first relationship he has. Yeah, that
1: one's, I hated that. I could not get through that faster fast enough.
0: Yeah, I could I kept with this movie. I kept looking at the ticker at the bottom of the screen being like
1: Me too. Okay,
0: I'm 18 minutes in. It felt
1: like work. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's because it's really slow paced and it's really like like picturesque, you know, mm-hmm. like the scene where they're in the bathtub, it's like very about the images yeah. and like it, the image it has good imagery but like the story just moves so slow and the characters are just not very like right and the
0: story isn't interesting i mean like i get i get well that's the thing like i get the character itself like the intention is and has the potential to be very interesting but the story itself isn't interesting like guy wants to be famous meets a girl she scorns him then he meets another girl who doesn't scorn him he, he didn't learn his lesson the end like at some point, he pulls a gun. It could have taken, That's true, could yeah. have taken some interesting turns that it really didn't. Um, what I thought was interesting, uh, I was reading the trivia facts about this movie. And, yeah. um, well, just to a point that you said a second ago about how like all the shots are like, scenic, and you're like supposed to be in it. The director and the writer, Tom DiCilio, I think his name is, um he was... I think it's DiCello. DiCello. yeah. He was basically... He fired the DP after the first footage was shot and oh, then really? basically like took it on his own. And he claims, the director claims, he confessed that the <sighs> original DP confessed to deliberately sabotaging the film due to jealousy, which I think tells a lot about the kind of guy who's making this movie. He's a very like in-it-for-me kind of director, it seems.
1: Yeah, no... Completely, And I you mean, can
0: see that in the script and you can see that in the way that the movie's made. It's like very like uh, self-aggrandizing to the director.
1: Yeah. And also he auditioned. He said that he auditioned 500 guys for the part of Johnny Suede.
0: Right. Which is insane. And then he said.
1: absurd.
0: Absurd. Like it just is a little bit crazy. It reminds me of The Room a bit. This guy, this character, Tom, Um, he said he insisted on casting the relatively unknown Brad Pitt over the objections of the producer who wanted to consider Timothy Hutton. Um, He was ultimately dissatisfied with Brad Pitt's portrayal of Johnny as being slow or stupid instead of just childish. Which I picked up on the slow and stupid thing like, yeah, a lot big time.
1: Yeah, but. um, Also, he. All right. Here's what – did you see the blog post that Tom made about this movie? No. Yeah, Tom DiCello on his website made a blog post about this movie, and he gives a lot of details. Um, but like he didn't say that, like what you just said about being dissatisfied. He he said um, – <laughs> it's, so, it's kind of stupid. He said – Call me an idiot if you want. But I was certain of two things the moment he walked in. One, he was Johnny. Two, he was going to be a star. He did his audition without me saying a word to him. And without me saying a word to him, he understood that beneath his posturing exterior, Johnny was really a lost soul. Someone who had no idea who he really was. This led Brad to a brave acting choice. To bring a hesitant vulnerability to the character, something no one else had been able to do, even without my prompting.
0: Okay. I would say yes. There is a a, um, vulnerable side to Brad's acting. I agree with that. But when was the blog post written? What year? Pre or post fame? Um, Post fame. Because he seems like the kind of guy who'd be like, oh, of course I knew. I always knew. As opposed to originally being like, nothing would be perfect for me. I mean, he fired the DP and went through 500 different people for this role. It seems like he's the kind of guy that was like, oh, yeah, 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 of course. Later I knew. I mean, maybe I'm...
1: Yeah, he talks all about it. And he also, he like constantly references the fact that Harvey Weinstein, mm-hmm. um, garbage person of the year, yeah. uh, Harvey Weinstein said, oh, I love, I love that movie. Talking about Johnny Swade. He said, I love that movie. And I didn't discover Brad Pitt. Tom DiCello did.
0: Okay. So uh, apparently this movie, because I looked it up after it was over because I really didn't like it, which I'm glad <laughs> this is the first movie that I like. We've watched him like slogs. But, I mean, they were fine, all the movies we've watched. Yeah. This one, I, right. I genuinely didn't like it. And, again, I could have just been in a bad mood. But, anyway, I went to go research, like, how it was re- received. Yeah. Um, so the film was entered into competition at the Locarno International Film Festival in, in Switzerland, where it was seen by Mark Tusk from Miramax, who, con- who, convinced Pitt would become a film star, urged Harvey Weinstein to make the unprecedented step of purchasing the rights to the film he had not yet seen. So the rights to the film were bought based on Brad Pitt outside of the movie at all. Johnny Suede won Best Picture at the festival. Crazy. And and the distribution was, deal was sealed. I mean, Best Picture of anything, I'm sorry. Even if I'm missing something and I'm like way off the mark here, Best Picture? I don't know. Anyway, the movie grossed $90,000 um, against a production budget of
1: $500,000. Yeepsy. Yikes.
0: Yeah. And the and, nah,
1: great Right, and they had... Harvey Weinstein, not happy with that investment. <laughs> no,
0: but Brad Pitt, I think... But Brad Pitt. Right after this was Thelma and Louise,
1: no? Um. Actually, no. So Thelma and Louise was filmed before this, right. but it hadn't come out yet. Okay, um, you're right. Because he said when, the, when he came in for the audition, he only had two things on his resume, and it was like Thelma and Louise and some TV thing. um, And which is interesting that he did not put too young to die or maybe too young to die. Hadn't come out yet. Um, but so this movie, since it's an indie movie and like, we're watching it in, in credit order, like in the order that it's credited to Brad Pitt. Um, it's, it's official release was 1992. Like it's theatrical release Mm. was 1992, but it showed at the Locarno international film festival in 1991 and it was filmed in 1989. So like, and the last award that it got, it was nominated for an Indie Spirit Award in 1993. So, like, mm. this movie Jumps has, like, time. a five-year – yeah, it's got a long um, timeline. It occurs
0: to me that I haven't covered any of the years and what's going on in the year, but let's just – it's pretty much the same we'll, as we'll, the last we'll, we'll two. We'll circle back. Yeah.
1: Um, uh, we'll circle back.
0: I, I thought that um, – yeah, I mean, I don't really know what else to say other than I th- – I, I, the hair.
1: Okay. You kind of have a Johnny Slade um, yeah. thing going on. I know. You do. I was gonna be like I was gonna be like, you know what? I liked his hair. <laughs> Obviously, because you have for people
0: who don't know who Michael Overst is, he does have like a miniature pompadour.
1: I have a I have a small pompadour. But you I mean, but
0: you don't but you wear it in earnest. You don't wear it because you've seen other people wear it and you wanna be this like rockabilly kid.
1: I wear it because I have a large forehead, and because I'm not sure if my hairline is receding or not. <laughs> it's definitely not. <laughs> and so I just, I just do pompadour because I'm like, well, I just know it's a, it's a winning formula. I'm just gonna go with that. But it's not a big pompadour. It's not. Johnny no, Suede. it's a miles pompadour. I think it's. Sorry, could you hear that fire truck? Yeah, it's fine. Um, you know, it's not a large pompadour, but it's just like Johnny Suede. I'm impressed that he was able to do it. And I kind of just, I kind of liked it. Like, I think it says a lot about his character to have a pompadour that ridiculously large. Well, I think it, you know, like it's so ridiculous. Totally.
0: It's, it's like, it's a very like immature way of thinking. It's like, I'm going to idolize somebody. And so that I'm going to mm-hmm. do what he does. I'm going to do it to the extreme so that it's even more convincing. It's a very like juvenile way of thinking which is good for this character because he does cut because like, that's all the takeaway for me is, is like, ultimately if he's not stupid, then he's just extremely juvenile and he lives in this fantasy world. Yes. And I think the fantasy world comes out a lot in his dreams. There's a few dream sequences. That's where the Lynch stuff comes in.
1: Yeah. The dream sequences. I didn't, I don't know. You know what else is kind of weird? (coughs) You know what else is kind of weird? Um, that this movie showed at Sundance and it was nominated for the Grand Jury Prize.
0: Yeah, okay. So maybe this is just like the time in the world where like weird shit isn't made and so they're like, whoa, this is weird so it must be cool.
1: Yeah, well, you know what won the Grand Jury Prize that year is Paris is Burning.
0: Oh, fuck, I love that movie.
1: Yeah, this movie, Johnny Sway did not have a chance against Paris no, is Burning. No, that's an but, epic
0: fucking game changer, that movie.
1: Yeah, but I gotta say, 1991 or 92 sorry 1992 when this had its theatrical release was not a super strong year for movies it was an okay year the number one movie for the whole year was aladdin well she's not a i mean it's problematic it's, but it's not like when it came out it wasn't like a bad movie
0: okay it's not problematic it's the best movie I ever made <laughs> and i stand by that
1: <laughs> you have a problem with disney movies yes i do and we're gonna have to talk about this yes i do <laughs> <laughs> I
0: love everyone except for fucking Frozen
1: <laughs> okay got it copy that um, um, okay so
0: that's 1992 no wait the, the Oscars okay I see for the year of 1992 so the year it was released was 1991 the Oscars that year were in 1992 that was Silence of the Lambs that won the best
1: movie um, Silence of the Lambs won in 1992
0: yes for the 1991 year of film
1: so oh, technically, well, what, we're looking what, at the
0: 1993.
1: Who won the Oscar for 1992? Because Unforgiven was made that year. That was the that was the number one movie Unforgiven one.
0: Yeah, Best Picture, Clint Eastwood. Unforgiven. Yeah, never seen it.
1: See, now I never wanted to. It doesn't seem like it's that. I mean, I wonder if anyone's like Unforgiven is the best movie well, of all. One
0: hundred percent. Here's the thing. It's going to be really interesting to see if anyone listens to this. We've already lied. Period. We've already...
1: full stop. Full stop.
0: (laughs) But also, we've already said so many false things. I'd like to call it back to the Furby moment from last week.
1: Uh, yeah. (laughs) Yeah.
0: Furbies don't come out until 1998. I don't know why I thought they came out in 1991.
1: Well, that's why I was like, okay, well, Furbies (laughs) were supposed to be a fad, but, like, they were on top of the game for 10 years because I wasn't alive in 1991, and I have memories when i was like a kid of having a furby so that would mean that they were for, no, but they weren't around for that
0: the website i was getting my information from had a picture of a furby and so i just assumed that it was corresponding to the year but so for all of our listeners out there oh. if you care i'm sorry obviously i was wrong
1: <laughs> sorry about the furby thing. <laughs> <laughs> okay all right uh, well i'm glad we got that out of the yeah, way well for i've that. been
0: waking up in the middle of the night even though no one's heard this yet knowing that i've lied to my um, to my public
1: Okay, here's a funny thing that happened during the filming of Johnny Suede. Did you read about this? the The fact that his entire wardrobe got stolen,
0: and that it was his. It was Tom Dechilio's wardrobe. It was his clothes.
1: Yeah, he he donated all of his clothes to the production, <laughs> and then it got the whole thing got stolen, and whoever stole it liked the clothes because they kept them, and. Um, Oh, my God. I just – just working in production and imagining, like, the AD – it says that the assistant director came up running and crying and said, someone left the wardrobe van unattended and all the costumes have oh been stolen. Oh oh that God. is, like, the kind of thing that I wake up in the middle of the night, like, right before I shoot. You know how, like, right before I shoot, you have all these fears? Yeah. Like, the day before? Yeah. That's the sort of shit that I worry about. Anyway, um, it says a day later they found the guys who would stolen them. Oh, good for them. Um, well, the relief was short-lived because the police then informed them that the thieves – Liked the clothes so much that they refused to return them. <laughs> which I didn't know that was an option.
0: It's not a fucking
1: option. <laughs> I didn't know that the thieves could be like, yeah, yeah, we stole them, but we we'll like them, and we're not giving them back. Uh, and the cops advised that if we wanted to continue shooting in Williamsburg, that we should accept those terms. It's like, wait, what? Wait. So, like,
0: how long into shooting was this? Does it say? It's a Cause, like,
1: uh, it it didn't say. I don't know. Um, but they made – they they faked all of Johnny's wardrobe from then on.
0: Oh, my gosh. That's so – that's really funny. I think it also says a lot about the director that he put his own clothes. I mean it, it's almost like he made a movie about himself and then was like – Well, someone
1: did ask him. Like, is this biographical? And he said, well, partially. But not – I mean not everything but like just, you know, partially. Partially enough that he has the same clothes as him.
0: Partially enough that he for sure didn't know where the clitoris was either. He seems like that kind of a guy. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Yeah, I d I don't really know and I may never know and I'm completely fine with that.
0: Yeah, well listen, you don't have to know. You have no occasion to no, come but into I contact. The <laughs> yeah. That'd be really where that, one that is. would be really terrible if you couldn't.
1: I know. Can you imagine that? I don't like, think you'd
0: be capable of having this conversation <laughs> if you couldn't find that.
1: I know. Well some I need a I need an older man to teach me where the beehold is. <laughs>
0: Yeah. <laughs> um, oh god, that moment when they're lying in bed and like she's like my turn And he's
1: all And he's like I'm gonna go grab some meatloaf if you don't mind <laughs> And she's all wait a minute, it's my turn And he's like Oh
0: Yeah, good for uh, you, Yvonne. Honestly. Women I know have to fucking do these things for themselves. I was glad to know that she asked. And then he just sits there and you can tell that she's not feeling anything. And I was just like looking at the clicker at the bottom of the screen being like, okay, 38 minutes.
1: and We have an hour to go. Oh my God. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's this. Why did this movie feel like such work? This whole thing is okay. I was thinking about this while I was watching this movie that after a while, I, I think that maybe Brad Pitt's like charm the like the crazy hotness about him, it might wear off and we might just be watching this actor and like, it might become really clinical and like a real study. So
0: I'm, I'm glad you say that because I feel the, I felt that exact same way when the movie ended, but I think actually it speaks to his acting career. I, I don't think that's going to happen. I think this part, this character in particular, who the character is, is like repulsive to a person who is comfortable in their skin or is grown up. So it's hard to watch him because he's so um unlikable,
1: yeah, testament to to his acting job though like that was I think that he did a good job acting,
0: assuming he acted the way he was supposed assuming he was supposed to come across the way he did, which we have conflicting reports on It's true, you know, assuming he like nailed. The, the sort of dumb and immature thing, like, yeah, 100%. If he was trying to be cool, he didn't come off as cool.
1: You know what, though? It's like... It's like the... I don't know. I have this opinion that if... Like, at a certain point, the director can say, no, this is not what I wanted from my actor. And it doesn't matter whether or not that's what the director wanted from the actor. The actor gave a performance and whether or not the director like it is irrelevant it's it's what the actor did that is should be the only measure of how good it was totally you know what i mean well,
0: totally so that's what i'm trying to say is that like i didn't like him he did a good job of me not liking him more so than in um too young to die where he's like a fucking asshole straight up asshole drug addict
1: And he looks so different.
0: He looks so different every time. He's much more baby-faced in this one, obviously.
1: It's crazy, and also, and I mean, I know we're not talking about Across the Tracks right now, but in Across the Tracks, too, he looks like a little twink. Like, it's crazy how much, like, he can control his body like that. He plays
0: such a teenage boy. I, I'm excited to talk about Across the Tracks with you later on in this episode. Um... But let's finish Johnny Swade because we had to slog through that movie. We're going to slog through this podcast. (laughs) Um,
1: Yeah, I mean, go ahead. Oh, yeah,
0: no, just about the director and whether or not he did a good acting job. I think it was, I think I know that he did a good acting job because I wasn't attracted to him. Like, he's the kind of antithesis of what I'm looking for in a man as a grown woman. Living in Brooklyn, <laughs> you know?
1: Yeah, and you know, it's like... I sent you that video of that interview that he did at the premiere of yes, Johnny Swayze. I was just
0: going to say that too. Thank you for reminding me.
1: It's interesting because it seemed like he maybe didn't love the movie either. Like, he wasn't that excited about it. Or maybe he was just in a weird mood in that moment. But, like, his interview, like, he just didn't seem that excited about it. Like I think you know what I mean?
0: that he was a young buck who didn't know how to perform for the camera unless he was performing for the camera. I didn't think he had honed a personality yet, and so he was that little boy from Missouri in that in that interview. I think he was just, like, acting himself because he also came off kind of, like, a little bit dumb and ungrateful. But the interesting thing about that interview, talking about what you just said about the director, is that when the interviewer was like, what was your favorite part about the movie? Um, He said, working with Tom. He was my favorite. I'd love to work with him again. True. He's sharp.
1: True. Yeah. He did say that.
0: And he said the script um, was amazing. How could I deny that amazing script? And I just said, hard eye roll. Did not like <laughs> the script.
1: Yeah. I don't know. I, I, I thought this movie was kind of interesting. I mean, it feels like a movie that I would watch in film school. That I would be forced to watch. It feels... You know, I would never pick this movie.
0: It feels like the kind of movie that was intended to be watched in film school but didn't quite pull it off. Do you know what I mean? Okay,
1: stop banging on the counter. Yeah, stop banging on the counter. Oh, now. do
0: you hear that really loudly? Sorry.
1: It, <laughs> it's really loud. It
0: feels like the kind of movie that was intended to be watched, to like be made to be watched in film school. Like, it had that, like, I'm going to make a fucking movie that's going to break barriers. And for me... That artsy... Yeah, didn't quite hit that nail on its head. Like, but maybe...
1: Like, maybe he was trying to be David Lynch, and it just sort of... I don't know. I don't think he was trying to be David Lynch. I think he was trying to tell the story of a young guy who is a tryhard who doesn't know what he wants, and... um, is just lost and confused and trying to find himself. And I think if that's the story he was trying to tell, then he told it. It just was really boring.
0: <laughs> well, and I, now that we're talking about it, I just don't know if at the time, like if we're jaded, like if at the time it came out, um, it was kind of awesome and weird, you know, and like in a good
1: way. Maybe. I don't know. Was I don't know. Is that what they liked in 1991? I mean... I don't know. I just, I I mean, I remember reading a thing about when Pulp Fiction came out in 1994 or 1983 at Sundance and how Sundance had, in the last few years, become this sort of place for like sleepy art movies. That's what it said mm. in this one thing I read about Pulp Fiction and Pulp Fiction sort of flipped that on its head. But totally. I wonder if, maybe for some like Sundance like it's not the Sundance we know today and it was like it was a place for sleepy art movies like this where this is not really a you know a crazy exciting movie and it's not supposed to be it's just this like introspective kind of weird thing yeah yeah
0: maybe Twin Peaks uh Came out that year, nineteen ninety 1990 to nineteen ninety one. Twin Peaks Fire Walk with Me, the movie came out in nineteen ninety-two. So it was for me, I feel like he's seeing something that's getting reception. And it's like, I'm gonna kind of make something along those lines. I'm cynical about this bastard, Tom. I don't I don't like his intentions in filmmaking. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Look, Tom, gotta be real with you.
0: I don't like you. <laughs> I don't like you. And I don't like the character of Johnny Suede. Um i think brad pitt did a good job
1: okay so let's talk about um brad pitt then let's talk about after like what do you think this movie had did for like him
0: well it's his first starring role in a movie like he carries the whole thing oh yeah yeah
1: that's right yeah i think that if anything this movie shows that he can carry the whole movie right
0: i think in terms of the, the brad pitt's career this is a huge one because you're right it, he carries the whole thing regardless of whether or not the movie's good he is the star undeniably he's not supporting
1: he's the star yeah and i think that it might have been a little under like he he might have played it a little too softly um no maybe not i don't know maybe it was just mis- misdirected or misguided his his performance was misguided or something but like it did. It, he did a good job. I think he did a good job of, of playing this like dumb kid who was insecure. And like if you put this movie next to Thelma and Louise and you're looking to cast Brad Pitt and you see this and Thelma and Louise, then you'd be like, this guy is versatile. Mm-hmm, absolutely. And he can carry a movie.
0: Yeah, he can carry a movie. And
1: and he's good in his underwear, like really good.
0: <laughs> he's walking around with his hands in his pants a couple of times. His body's like fucking perfect. In every way. I
1: a hole in his underwear, and I was trying to look inside of it. To
0: find that bee hole
1: <laughs> Yeah. It seemed like it might have been a little bit high to be his beehole, hole but I was just going to check anyway. Yeah.
0: Yeah, I mean, I was I was comforted to know that I wasn't attractive to to Brad Pitt, and I was happy when I was thinking about this podcast that we were going to talk about how fucking hot he is, because we don't have to.
1: Yeah, I know. That it does get a little old, is like, but I think I'm wondering, like, by the time we get to, you know, Inglorious Bastards, are we going to be like, we've, we, we, all know right, that, red we, know, we
0: know that face. I'm a little bit already like that, but I think I think I'm just really didn't like Johnny Suede.
1: I think we also had to watch two movies. That's right. Week, which
0: well, I already talked about 1991, so our normal um, our normal sequence of events can be replaced by our second film this week across the tracks.
1: Okay, so um you know what? I'm not finding any interesting news items. I should have done this research before. Uh so we're just going to go ahead and um Oh, you know who was born? Oh my god. Kyle Massey. I'm going to kill you. There we go. <laughs> that's it. Kyle Massey from from Cory in the House and also that's so Raven. He was born in August of 1991. Nobody cares about him. There's your fun fact.
0: <laughs> not a good fact. <laughs>
1: Someone does. Someone is, like I said, not a lot of good things, not a lot of interesting things happened in August 1999. Okay. So we're going to go ahead and skip that.
0: I would like to do a brief musical interlude uh, before we rate Johnny Suede to hear his song from the movie, sung by Brad Pitt called I Want to Work in Midtown. Enjoy.
1: I want to work in Midtown
0: Wear a three-piece suit I wanna hire a limo just to hear
1: my driver toot
0: I want a fancy penthouse so high it's hid from you Cause when I have these things I want And then I won't want you just a girl with the look on your face nothing much more than that i'll find another girl to take your place and i'll do it in seconds flat and welcome
1: back um i got we didn't even talk about his music but i didn't i didn't hate it i mean it's kind of funny seeing him do it but like it's kind of i don't know I didn't hate it.
0: No, I think it got it got better. No, I hate didn't hate it. it. I thought it got better. The first song he played on his like acoustically on his electric guitar, I was like, oh, fuck, like we're in for some shit. Then I was like, <laughs> oh, this is just a kid like writing songs. And I was into it. And then I found the song on Spotify today. And I was like, actually, I'm into it. And I liked his like cute little. He does have a like nice singing voice, actually. Brad does
1: yeah it's not it's not terrible the lyrics aren't great but the song isn't all that bad also though it's funny that thing you sent me on spotify with the whole song it's like a bunch of celebrities doing a song for like charity and juliette lewis also did one and it's um also not it's like really weird it's it's actually just straight up bad
0: they're still dating at this point right
1: they're um yeah they are they're still dating
0: Oh my gosh, so interesting. Okay, let's do our ratings so that we can get to our second feature film this week.
1: Okay. Um. All right, well, how do you rate... Let's start with his hair. How do you rate his hair?
0: Here's the thing. His hair is a defining characteristic of the movie. I have to give him a 10 for it. I don't find it to be sexually attractive.
1: No, I'm going to give it a 10 too because I'm going give it a 10 because of the fact that it's so extreme and I think he's pulling it off. Like, it's not a... Yeah, it's not attractive, but he makes it he like works it and like it doesn't look awkward on him. Like he's he makes it look he looks comfortable in it, which is why I'm giving him a 10 because he can rock it. Yeah,
0: I mean, I don't I don't even know how to rate the hair on this one because it is because ex- it's a part of the costume. So, yeah, I'm going to give it a 10 because of its um its integrity. <laughs> really stayed together until the it's very integrity. end. And then finally I found him to be attractive at the very end when he was like Disheveled, and I was like, "There's the Brad Pitt." I know. And his hair was down. Yeah, and I was like, "There's Brad." I was like, "There's <laughs> there's, there's my Bradley. baby boy. <laughs> <laughs> I missed, I missed <laughs> you, honey." Um <laughs> Acting.
1: Okay. Uh, I'm giving him an eight, or no, I'm gonna give him a, a seven. I'll give him a seven. I I'm gonna give him a six. I don't. I just can't tell.
0: I'm like grouchy about this movie. I, I'm not giving yeah, anything. I'm not giving anything above a seven across the board. Except for the hair,
1: I'm giving him a I'm giving him a seven because I think that it he showed he had acting chops in this movie, which I think was impressive. Um, for such a young guy with like so little experience, I think he did a good job. So I'm giving him a seven. Yeah, I
0: think you're right. I agree with what you're saying. I would add to like it is important that he carried the whole film by himself, even though it was slow as fucking fuck, as a duck sucking yeah. a truck. <laughs> <laughs> Um uh, so that concludes Johnny Suede, but we've got
1: No, you have to you have to we have to rate the movie itself.
0: Oh, the movie well. Don't make me sing. I'm gonna give it a two and a half.
1: <laughs> two and a I'm half. I'm gonna give that
0: half for intention and for Brad. Um But yeah, I mean I would never suggest anybody watch it, and I'd never watch it again, and I'm like kind of Yeah, two and a half. I didn't like it. I thought I thought I liked the message like I get logically what the message was and I'm like stand behind it I just I didn't I wasn't entertained by it at all and movies are supposed to be entertaining (laughs) right
1: they are yeah they are Um, I'm sorry
0: listeners that I'm such an asshole but you've got to get to know this side of me
1: Here's the thing. This movie was maybe not for viewers. It might have been a movie that the director wanted to make for to tell a story that he felt needed he needed to tell.
0: Exactly. And I hate that. The director is just so his the director's ego is so fucking all over this movie that I can't, I just can't get behind it.
1: Yeah, that's definitely takes it down a few pegs for me too. I mean, I'm giving it a four out of ten because I did kind of like I liked how pretty it looked. That bathtub scene where they're shaving each other is actually really cute. And
0: mm, I've seen it before, and I've seen it better.
1: <laughs> well, he did a pretty good job of it, and I liked the scene. I don't know; it, it was just it, it was kind of cute in its own way, and I, I sort of like the juxtaposition of um, ooh, big word there, watch out, um, of Johnny Suede <laughs> next to when he was next to uh, Freak Storm. Yeah, I kind of like those two, to, like that that sort of seeing those two together. So. I'll give it a four but um definitely don't want to watch it again and um i'd only recommend it to somebody who's really about like artsy film like real film movies no but i see that bugs
0: me i don't think this is a real fucking film movie there's so many better real artsy film movies
1: this movie okay here all right this is it this movie is the is johnny suede of art movies
0: Okay. All right, Michael, getting deep. I'm into it. Totally. It's like trying to be, it's, it's posturing. It it looks
1: and sounds, yes, it looks and sounds like an art movie, but then when you really get into it, it's not. Exactly.
0: And that drives me crazy because I love an art movie. I would say visually, I really liked all the blues that they used. I loved his room and the subway was all blue and like the Brooklyn was kind of bluey. I was into it. All
1: right, we get it. Like blue.
0: Only in this movie. I don't know. I'm just trying to find something. but I, You don't have to. No, I think, you
1: know what? You don't have to find a good thing to say. I think
0: your point is correct. Um, but we got to wrap up Johnny Suede so we can get to Across the Tracks.
1: Yeah, we really – there's a lot to talk about here with Across the Tracks. So that's it for Johnny Suede. Uh, we're going to take like a little – a quick little interlude and then get right into Across the Tracks. Yeah. Here we go.
0: So here's another snippet from the same song, I Want to Work in Midtown. As sung by as performed by Bradley Pitt. I wanna meet a model who's only got one name. She'll take
1: me out to parties
0: and treat me to shame I wanna make her love me just like you to do because when i have these things i want i won't want to do. Okay. okay welcome back guys yeah um michael let's talk about across the tracks
1: from 1990. yeah it's about time we talk about across the tracks um okay so um This is a pretty straightforward indie movie, which is kind of cool. I thought that was kind of cool about it, like that it's a 90s indie movie and it probably would have maybe would have got lost forever just in the fold of the 90s if it weren't for Brad Pitt. You know what I mean?
0: Well, I think it did get lost forever and we dredged it out for this podcast.
1: That's true. Even with Brad Pitt. (laughs) We like took it out and dusted
0: it off. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> blew the cobwebs off of it. Yeah, it's true. Um, I actually... I enjoyed watching it. It wasn't... I mean, it was like... There's not really much to talk about. It was a fine film that was made. Mm-hmm. Um, um, so the movie stars Rick Schroeder of NYPD Blue Fame. He's really famous at this time in the 90s. Brad Pitt is still completely obsolete. Nobody knows who he is.
1: He wasn't even... Um, we found this out later because... Uh, we also we did actually for this interview the director of the movie sandy tongue um we just asked him some questions about it and unfortunately didn't get good audio of that so you'll just have to take our word for it (laughs) yeah but um when we talked to him he mentioned that it was shot before uh like a lot of the stuff that we've already done before johnny suede before uh too young to die so this is It's just that since it was an indie movie, it, like, took so long to get out. But it it was shot before, like, a lot of stuff. It just came out later.
0: Yeah, I think it was shot in 1987. And it came out in
1: 1990. Right. Or, like, yeah, something like that.
0: Yeah. So the storyline is two brothers. One is an all-star track star who's, like, goody-goody, two-shoes. They have a single mother. Their father left them when they were kids. We've come to find out that their father was an alcoholic. And Rick Schroeder, the younger brother, is like a bad boy who goes to prison early on in the movie. Or he goes to juvie early on in the movie for stealing a car. And he's like bad. And Brad Pitt's the good one. And Brad Pitt, like when he gets released from juvie, takes Rick Schroeder under his arm and says... Like, why don't you run track? It'll, like, clean you up. It'll make you a good guy again. And then Rick Schroeder becomes a better track star. Yeah. And it exposes Brad's inner demons of alcoholism and his perfectionism. And it's pretty deep. I mean, it's a pretty, like, it's a common thing, the competitiveness between
1: siblings. Yeah, Um, but... I think I think deep is a bit of a stretch
0: (laughs) okay so the concept is good the movie could have been really good if it was done
1: I was just gonna say it's so 90s like it's just so it's hard to focus on the story at all because it's like the beginning that intro scene where they're stealing the car they keep saying like shit man and it reminds me of like like (laughs) it it reminds me of my father trying to impersonate what Wayne's World sounds like to him, which is right. wrong and weird and weird, just not good or funny, and like that's what that whole intro sequence was like, and it was hard to focus on the fact that they were maybe doing something wrong.
0: Yeah, the script was pretty. Yeah, you know, I hate a script where it sounds like what people think, like a script in which people don't actually talk that way. Yeah, like a successful screenplay is one that like you can like actually mimics the way that people actually engage with each other. This was like what a 30 year old guy thought that teenage brothers should sound like, if that makes sense. Yeah. So it was so, it became, it was just so cheesy. The first line that I wrote down in my notes was from that character. He goes, Hey, chill out, dude, man, it's party time.
1: Right. Exactly. (laughs) Yeah. That sounds like a Ninja Turtles quote or something.
0: Exactly. There's a lot of Ninja Turtley things.
1: Right, and it's um the character who says that too is Louis, and <laughs> Louis is just a pure chaos. He's an anarchist <laughs> in the truest form, and I kind of love him because nothing matters to him he has there's no boundaries,
0: but that that's that I think that speaks to my earlier point, which is like this person does not exist in the world no. He's not a real human. Yeah. And so it's hard to take the movie seriously because they're all just like hyper characters of a pretty dull storyline, which is like two brothers um, competing.
1: It's a little bit of a long storyline. You know, like it could be, right. this could be sh- shorter significantly. And I think, yeah. Um, I don't know. I just think that it was, uh, took a long time to get to the point. Cause I kept pausing to be like, all right, <laughs> How much time's left on
0: this Right? Game? I know, but you know what I have to say. This movie did for the first time in all of our movies that we've watched so far is that he's like not a sex symbol. He doesn't. He's like not confident with women. He like kind of has a crush on a girl, but you know he's not confident in it. He's not like playing a sexy person. No, but
1: here's the thing. You know? He is so tan. <laughs> he's, he's got so such tan. an even tan. It's crazy. Yeah.
0: <laughs> it's just <laughs> for a track star like you'd think you'd have a little bit of a farmers
1: yeah or just like a normal human like I mean he's very skinny he's kind of twinky, but yeah um yeah he looks great but he's not like beaming like dripping with sex like he wasn't Thelma and Louise still not over that <laughs> right
0: like I know I know I think we talk about just that just point
1: out we're not Brad Pitt fans <laughs> this is just purely analytical <laughs> but I'm still not over Thelma and Louise <laughs>
0: Yeah. Um, yeah. Okay. So I don't really have much more to say about Across the Tracks. Uh, oh, Stanford from Sex and the City was in it. That was a fun little cameo before he was famous. Who's that? The gay guy from Sex and the City, Charlotte's best friend. No, Carrie's best friend,
1: Stanford Blatch. Don't know him. Never heard you of him.
0: You didn't watch. You didn't watch. C- Sex no, and I City realized either. recently.
1: I've never actually seen a full episode of Sex and the City.
0: Holy shit Mike, well that's exciting because you can watch the entire series on HBO Go and you should.
1: Should I just because I can doesn't necessarily mean I'm going
0: to <laughs> No, it's so great. It's if you're fantastic. thinking
1: um of the same person I am Oh you are Stanford Black. You are. Yeah. He's, okay, I was I wrote in my notes too. He's actually uh he plays Evan in Freaky Friday.
0: <laughs> oh my god, you funny Remember boy that? Yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah. He was probably way too cool for Freaky Friday when that came out.
0: No, I loved Freaky Friday with Lindsay Lohan. Yeah, that movie was
1: my jam. Yeah. That was when I decided that I was um, a punk rocker at heart. <laughs> it's, that it's, is oh, so a funny. Um, uh, Where did
0: Lindsay Lohan go? I
1: miss her. I miss her too. Last I heard she had, um,
0: yeah, I don't know. She was like running a club in Greece or something. I wonder if she's ever had a run in with Brad Pitt great question maybe we can find a way to get her on this
1: (laughs) she just can't be that busy no um another note i had about louis though maybe he's gay he's like kind of obsessed with billy did you notice how like they were all over each other
0: he was obsessed with billy and then he wouldn't let him go
1: yeah when they were at the mall he was like come on buddy and like had his hands all over him he's like just stay out with me and i was like jesus christ
0: Well, maybe that's why he was so, like, bad, because he was, like, repressed. He was acting out.
1: Yeah, maybe that's why Louis has these crazy, like, unhinged, (laughs) like, lifestyle (laughs) with no concept of order or, like – I just feel, like, chaos whenever he's on screen.
0: Right. I think it's because he really – he's so suppressed, and he, like, hates himself, and so – Oh, I wish if this movie had come out now, Louis w- would be in a world in which he could come out.
1: Nominated for Best Supporting because that was a very <laughs> understated role.
0: There was Very another... smugly,
1: subtly played angry gay man.
0: Um, there was a moment when Brad Pitt and Louis were talking and I wrote this down too. It's a great line. Mm-hmm. And it was right before he was like trying to get him to sell drugs. And he goes the only thing personal about you, man, is the size of your dick. <laughs> I'm like, what the hell does that even mean? Is that an insult? He said it in an insulting tone.
1: Yeah. And he, but it's another Teenage it min- it. Ninja
0: Total. Total? Ninja Total. I like totals.
1: I would be... I would be offended if someone said that to me, but I also wouldn't know what it means. <laughs> exactly.
0: Because <laughs> that's not how human beings talk, which is my major problem with this film, is that like people don't actually talk the way he writes them. That being said, we did speak to Sandy Tung, the director. He wrote the script. He has an older brother. They were both track stars. So it was yeah. based loosely based on his life with a little drug addiction
1: sprinkled into it sprinkled
0: in it and he up. said if you guys are interested in watching the movie um he's gonna re-release it soon
1: yeah they're remastering and um they're uh like re as tra- i think transcribing is the word making it hd they're making it more hd because it was shot on film so they're doing more hd stuff to it to make it look nicer and then they're gonna re-release it and it's also available on amazon prime currently but like they're going to make it look nicer. Um,
0: yeah, so keep an eye out for that.
1: Um, another note that I had was that it's a little weird that – not weird, but like like you know how you were saying Brad Pitt's not as sexy in this one? Like he doesn't have that sex appeal? Like, yeah. They did make him always sleep with his shirt off though, which wasn't – like particularly sexy it was just kind of weird that like he's always sleeping in the room with his brother with no blankets on and like in just <laughs> his underwear
0: yeah you know? well, every movie we've seen i think except for um too young to die has him topless so far johnny I yeah,
1: love that you say topless too it makes it sound way more promiscuous
0: he's like walking around his apartment in johnny suede in his underpants like didn't ne- not necessary
1: so not necessary and his underpants had a hole in it
0: I know. We already discussed this wasn't in this episode. Necessary.
1: Yeah, I know. But, it, you know, <laughs> my brain keeps going back to that. Not um, Brad Pitt fans. <laughs> not a Brad Pitt fan. Just a big fan of that.
0: <laughs> uh-huh, you um, you want to rate the movie?
1: No, because I have one more thing I want to say. Um, okay. I found this random interview where Brad Pitt did not name names, mm-hmm. but he said um, – Hold on, I, have to, I want to read the exact quote. Uh, okay, he, he was talking about doing character work or whatever, um, and this was in 1991 he had he, he said this quote, um, And here's the quote, and you know, make of it what you will, but just try to think of how many movies has he, has he been in where he's had a mom?" Anyway, so I think it might be about Too Young to Die, or, um, uh, Lewis. no, no, I think it might be about this movie. He says, uh, so you're not crazy about, uh, like character work, are you? And he says, well, you could do all this stuff, but it'll just end up in the toilet. I had this crazy woman play my mom in a movie once. One night she wanted to go out for a walk and do some kind of character exercise. She wanted to be the mom and she wanted me to be the kid, you know? So I figured I'd give it a shot. So we start out on this walk and she starts going, so how's little Betty? Have you been wearing a condom? <laughs> <laughs> and I had to walk around for three hours with this lady. Biggest waste of time in my life. <laughs> I don't know how many movies he's had moms in at this point. So, like, there's only a handful. It could – he didn't name names, which is very classy of him. But um, yeah. she seemed a little like she was a crazy person.
0: Yeah. Well, I mean, maybe she was a really great actress. I mean, she was raising two boys on her own.
1: <laughs> she was really yeah. wanting to get into it. And she was concerned about wearing a condom. I don't know. It's just so fucking weird to do that when you're not – it's not part of the movie or Mm -hmm. part of the character. You're just like, oh, I just added that in. (laughs) That's a weird thing to add in.
0: No, she's like, I want to role play with you because you're so good looking. Oh, yeah. Maybe it was like a fetish for her.
1: Yeah, Brad Pitt and mom's – Brad Pitt's mom's – yeah. Yeah. like
0: Um, I like having Brad Pitt quotes though. I think we need more of those in general over the podcast.
1: I know. Well, he's not a very um, chatty person when it comes to... He's not to a that. man
0: of many words, that BP.
1: No, he's not. He's, he's what um, this same interview calls uh, the lockjaw generation of actors, where they don't talk a lot about um, like their personal life because he doesn't want to distract from his acting.
0: And you know what? It's so funny because he is definitely one of those but he also has the most famous relationships in Hollywood. It adds to that Hollywood. That's like it's part of the reason. Of that. he- exactly. It's beca- that's like part of that, which we talk about all the time, which is like the old Hollywood yeah. style movie star. That is such a trait for them.
1: Yeah. It's like who and you're dating, but
0: that's pretty much of... it.
1: There's not a ton of people who do that anymore. Um...
0: Yeah, we're not really familiar with Brad Pitt's personality yet, we've only been talking about his movies.
1: Oh, we know, like, where he's from and, like, his parents' names and stuff, but we don't know, like, his personality, like, his opinions on stuff. Like, like now, like, it's 2018 and we know that he's vegan and that he does pottery, but, like, I don't know. That's, like, not something that we would know back then. There was
0: a really great... I think it was Vogue or maybe it was Arch Digest where they did a tour of his house uh-huh. in the Hollywood Hills. Yeah. That he's lived in since this era. He's always kept it through all of his marriages. Really? Yeah. So let's pull some more quotes in general.
1: Okay. I'll get on. Let's there. try
0: to, let's try to glean who this man really is at his core. We can add it to Pitts bits. <laughs>
1: Pitts pits. Gotcha. <laughs> Copy that. Okay. All right. Uh, do you want to rate this B?
0: Yeah. I give it two stars.
1: Whoa.
0: Yeah. I mean, listen, it's hard to rate a movie like this because it's kind of, for me, it was like neither here nor there. It's, it's lost in the sands of my memory already. And it's been a week. I know that's mean.
1: No, it's, it's harsh, but true. I, it's I, would, harsh but I true. think I'll give you, I'll give it a two stars too. Because here's the thing. You have Brad Pitt in the movie
0: yeah, and
1: it's not memorable.
0: I know. That's but like that was, a pretty
1: big crime.
0: Well, that was what was in one interesting thing that Sandy tongue did say. I was like, how amazing is it to be the person who picked Brad Pitt out of a crowd before he was famous and was like, that's the one that I want to be in my movie along yeah. with already, you know,
1: it's that's true. Cool it is for this, very for cool for him. It is yeah. very cool for him, but I mean, and not to knock Sandy tongues, casting skills, but, um, how many indie movies have cast someone who they think is like the one and then they're not and the movie flops and it's forgotten and no one ever watches it again. Like at some point, one of those movies was going to cast a Brad Pitt. A Brad Pitt. That
0: that happened to be Brad Pitt. And the other interesting thing is too that Sandy told us is that the casting director for Across the Tracks was also the casting director for Johnny Suede, and she's the reason why Brad Pitt was in Johnny Suede. Yeah. So she really did like start his jumpstart his career. So she 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 did his first two movies.
1: Yeah, she deserves more credit. Well, that's harsh because Sandy tongue had a lot to do with it and I'm not going to sell the guy short, but,
0: and they remained friends
1: and they remained years. friends. Sandy tongue was his guest to the premiere of Johnny suede. I think it was. Yeah. Johnny. Or Swade. no, Thelma and Louise. I think it was Thelma and Louise. Oh yeah. It was Thelma and Louise. That's she fucking was his cool. guest. That's a big yeah. thing. Like, yeah. Like Brad Pitt really trusted him. So, uh, and respected him. Uh, yeah.
0: We also discussed with Sandy, Um, because we'd heard that Brad Pitt has really great working relationships with his directors and he works very closely and seriously with them. And Sandy was like, yeah, he's, he, he brought his own thing to the role, but he, we really worked close together. So it was nice to have that confirmation. Yeah. He did mention casually that he had heard rumors that Brad Pitt was not easy to work with after he became famous. So I want to get down to the bottom of that.
1: Yeah. That's what I wanted more information on. But Sandy was, uh, he was very respectful diplomatic. of Pitt. Diplom, mm-hmm. very diplomatic, and he was like, I'm not going to talk about that, which I get. Um, yeah.
0: So the movie's a two. His hair was great. Preppy, white boy hair, pretty middle of the road.
1: Yeah, I was I was just thinking I'm just going to give it a four because it's, it's good, not great. It's yeah, fine. fine. Yeah.
0: I'm, I might even go so far as to give it a three, only because there's so much more hair to come, and I know that he can do better.
1: Yeah, actually, I could get behind that, too. Um, all right, so it's uh, I agree with you on the two and on the three. for the hair. Yeah. Uh, what about his, his acting?
0: Performance? Yeah, his performance. So it's almost like watching a painter early in their career and they're like right now they're like super hyper realistic painters, but they start learning with watercolors and those watercolors aren't so great. I feel like he definitely gave it his all and you can you can see him acting.
1: Yeah, and which, I didn't love make,
0: that. Which makes it hard cuz you don't want to know that someone's acting. That might have to right. do with the script, too. But yeah. I would say he wasn't he didn't do a very good job. He definitely yeah. gave it his all. A yeah. for effort.
1: Yeah. I'd say 3 for acting. Yeah, I give it a th- for because it seemed like he was trying to trust what the director was telling him mm-hmm. and it just wasn't playing out on camera like he was really trying hard and he was trusting what the director said and it's not I don't think it was entirely his fault that it played off so right. boring you know what I mean right. I think that it was had a lot to do with just the way it was edited and the director and all that stuff and it was just the script it was kind of choppy but um all in all I think he didn't do a horrible job. It just wasn't memorable.
0: Right. Totally. Um Yeah, and it was his first like because if we look back at the time frame again, like it is his first lead role in yeah. any movie he's ever done. So totally. that's like there's a lot of pressure on that. You know what? I might up up my score. Okay. Just because like yeah, because of that A for effort he can yeah.
1: have a four a for effort yeah d for everything else <laughs> <laughs> um
0: and thus concludes across the tracks
1: and there it is it's across the tracks
0: tune in next week for um cool world
1: cool world is the movie where brad pitt wants to fuck cartoons
0: i'm very excited about it
1: yeah can't wait to get into that one uh, all right okay. that's all bye-bye See ya.
0: All right, well, thank you for listening to episode three. This is Chelsea Lee. Um, I just wanted to take this moment to plug our social media and emails. If you have anything at all to say about what you've heard or what you want to hear, you can follow us on Twitter at The Pits Pod and on Instagram at This Is The Pits Pod. And our email is This Is The Pod at gmail.com. Um, Tune into Cool World next week. It is a wild ride. Talk to you then. Bye.